0: Hi, I'm Amy Quinn, and you're welcome to the Pig Edge, Chagas's pig podcast, where we are bringing you the latest news, information, and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date with the industry. In this episode, we chat the head of knowledge transfer for the Pig Development Department, Kieran Carroll, about seasonal infertility, including some of the main signs to look out for and the key pieces of advice to avoid it. I first ask Kieran to tell us what exactly seasonal infertility is.
1: Seasonal fertility, it's basically a reduction in the fertility of breeding pigs. You know, sows and gilts uh, can actually impact on boars as well. It occurs at a particular time of the year uh, and usually around summer, late summer, early autumn time. And it's caused basically by a combination of effects uh, on decreasing day length at that time of the year and higher environmental temperatures. Uh, Something that we've noticed when we look at our own Chagas EPM data, we've noticed that there's been a reduction in the number of farrowings in the october to december january period over time
0: and so why does this seasonal trend occur in pigs
1: yeah it, it goes back to i suppose the ancestors of the of the modern pig um, where in the past when they were living in the wild uh in an outdoor setup in forests and whatever uh they didn't mate in the late summer early autumn period and, and the reason for that was it was to avoid having litters born in the harsh winter weather and that was, in fact, it was triggered by decreasing daylight at the time. It triggered uh, the hormones in the sow to shut down the, the reproductive process. And it can also, at that time of the year, you'd have higher temperatures, which can impact on, on the fertility of the sow as well.
0: What key signs of seasonal infertility should pig producers be looking
1: out for? Um, as I've mentioned, like it, it, it's reduction in fertility, so anything that's going to affect the fertility of, of the, the breeding sow or gilt. So what we're seeing or what we would see in, uh, from time to time is a delayed return to oestrus after weaning for sows. Uh, you can see delayed puberty in gilts or gilts not cycling. Uh, during the late summer early autumn um, and higher rates of of pregnancy failure and when I say that I mean like you know higher repeat rates more abortions and more sows showing up as not in pig or nips as we we call them.
0: Okay Um, you've mentioned that it's associated or triggered by decreasing day length and increasing temperatures how does this work?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose, firstly, the, the decreasing day length, what it does is it triggers a hormonal response, uh, as I mentioned, and that basically the, the, the pattern of hormones at that time, then will shut down the, the reproductive process. So it's telling the sow not to reproduce, as I say, four months later in that harsh winter weather. And um, with regards to the higher temperatures at that time of the year. If you take for the firing house, for example, uh, higher temperatures can result in lower feed intakes by the sows. This in turn then can, can uh, result in, in loss of body condition that, that, that was losing more of our, our condition. And then that can subsequently cause a delay in the return to heat or return to estrus after weaning. Um, there would be other nutritional factors that kind of side related to it. The case of mycotoxins would be one. And I can mention that in a bit more detail later on if you want.
0: Has there been much research of interest in the area?
1: Yeah, I suppose a lot of the research tends to have been done in in, in warmer climates because it is more of a a, a problem in, in, in places like Australia and things like that. So that tends to be where the source of a lot of the information has come from. But if you look at the light uh, a Bob Love in Australia, um, back in the early '90s, did a lot of of research with regards to decreasing day length and what can be done to uh, remediate that that problem um, and how it can be addressed. And it's kind of set the standards for what we would recommend nowadays. Uh, and there's also been quite a lot of research done in, in relation to the feed intakes during the warm warmer weather as well. Uh, and I suppose more recently, going back to Australia again, Paul Hughes would be well known to to farmers and and this side of the the world Um, his team out there, they've done research now which suggests that that sows uh, can ovulate earlier in their heat period, so normally if they they ovulate 36 to 42 hours after the onset of of, of oestrus, they're actually doing this earlier in the summer, early autumn period, and that can obviously have consequences for fertility depending on the time you're serving your sows, and also that the hormone support for the pregnancy the progesterone hormone which maintains the pregnancy and things like that that can be reduced in weeks three to four after breeding in early summer autumn so there are typical um, problems that can occur and and that has been reported by by hughes and, and his his team
0: so what can producers look at doing to prevent seasonal infertility
1: there's numerous amount of things I suppose I, I, we'll go through them bit by bit, but uh, if you look at, uh, like most things to do with production performance and we're always hammering that message uh, in Chagas, is, is, it begins with accurate records. Uh, unfortunately, with something like seasonal fertility, on, uh, the, the diagnosis is often after the problem has occurred and you only notice when you're looking back over figures and you're kind of adding two and two and getting your reproductive problem. Um, so what we need to do is analyze our, our reproductive performance over time, uh, so over a number of years and you're looking for a repeatable pattern uh, on your farm uh, over a, a period of years. Uh, and you can do this by, by using your, your computer management systems, you know, the, the, the modern systems, the pig champs, uh, pig, pig win and all those programs. They, they will all show you that kind of information if you look at, do the analysis over time or simple things like using your service record cards that you would have on the farm. Uh, if you look at those over periods of time, you can identify when there's been a problem. And of course, the Chagas EPM system I mentioned earlier, that can be used to identify when there's poor farrowing rates, reduced litter sizes, reduced numbers of litters per cell, year and so on and at least then once you've identified using your accurate records that there may be a problem then you can manage to her to address them
0: so if we were looking at management factors then what should we be addressing
1: Yeah, so i refer back first, I suppose, to the the decreasing day length and what we can do in terms of lighting levels and and referring back to what Bob Love and his research team would would have found uh, um, and set the standards for today. Our recommendation would be to provide 300 lux. Lux is a measure of light level in in a building. Um, So we'll be looking at a minimum of, of 300 lux for 16 hours per day in, in the service, the dry sow, and, and the farrowing rooms. And, you know, this is easy to, to, easy to achieve. You can put a timer switch on your lighting system uh, so that you, you can provide 300 lux uh, for, for the 16 hours. Uh, Typical example, a fluorescent light bulb or even one of the, the modern LED light bulbs, about a meter above the sow's head should give you that sort of level, maybe a little bit along with the 300 lux. Um, I know I, I did some measurements on a farm last year uh, and there was a double fluorescent light uh, about a meter and a half above the, the sows in, in the service house and that was given 600 lux on, the, on the, the light meter so it's easy to check and it's easy to to make sure that you're doing this you can contact your target advisor they all have light meters so it be worth contacting them if you want to get your your lighting levels checked in the different houses you have
0: and is there any other management factors we should look at
1: yeah, I suppose to go through them, um, I suppose if we go back again to the the, the temperature and higher environmental temperatures, um, you'd be looking at the farrowing rooms, especially, we, you know, it's important to keep the, 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 the rooms cool within reason. Obviously, you've got piglets in there as well, so you're not going to have them too cold. But in the area where the sow is occupying, Uh, you you want to keep the rooms cool so back around 19 degrees maybe 20 degrees uh, for the sow and obviously for the piglets you're going to have the heat pad there to give them the extra heat they'd need but it's important just to make sure that your ventilation system is working properly so the rooms don't get too hot and that the heating systems uh, are working properly so that you're you're providing for the piglets as well so keeping the rooms cool would be a good start and that'll help then to to maximize the feed intakes by the sows and prevent any delays and return to oestrus after weaning Um, again looking at the diet itself specifically you want to be making i sure you're, you're using a high-spec lactation diet, you know, 14 megajoules plus, 0.9% um, uh, lysine. And it's important to feed, feed that regularly. I mean, ideally, if you can be feeding ad lib at all in, in, in the farrowing house, that's what we'd be recommending. But uh, if you're feeding on a, on a system, computerized system, or in some cases by hand, you'd want to make sure, especially during the problem period, that you're maybe feeding three times a day. Um, and it's good to check sows at, at eating That make sure that they are getting up to eat and make them stand to eat if they do appear slow to do that and we'd always recommend that the, the high spec diet would be fed after weaning as well so up until service that you continue feeding the same high spec lactation diet uh, to, to service in terms of quality I mentioned that earlier on um, we, we need to be aware of the risk of mycotoxins and I think farmers in general are aware of that and, and, and the mills and millers would be as well um, but it is something that can cause Fertility problems can cause increased repeat rates abortions and things like that from time to time and what these mycotoxins are they're, they're, they're caused by molds, and um, are produced by molds and they're found in old grain so maybe old grain towards the end of a, a, end of a, a year before the new harvest comes in or grain that's harvested in, in a wet period so a particular wet summer where the harvest is, is done during a wet period you can get a higher incidence of mycotoxins so what, what can we do to, to kind of address this problem, I suppose, check your feed bins regularly, make sure, the dry feed, that there's no build-up or caking you of know, mouldy feed in, in the bins, check for leaking bins and so on. And on the wet feed situation, uh, look at the mixed tanks and look inside in the, the sealing part of the mixed tank to make sure that there's no moulds building up on those. I know when we redid the, the, the new piggery in Park and we were taking out the old wet Mixed tanks you could see there was actually quite a bit of mold up at the top of those tanks, and it 's something that maybe farmers wouldn 't be aware of in wet feed systems because you think the tank has been washed out the whole time, but molds can build up so it 's important to look look in your wet feed tanks as well for the mold and always it 's a good idea to include a mycotoxin binder they 're not expensive and especially over the the, the summer period um, and particularly after wet harvest it 's always a good idea to include a mycotoxin binder in the feed um, I suppose one of the the other areas that's often overlooked, I suppose, is, is the holiday period. Um, you know, you've got your regular uh, person working in the farrowing, or in the service house and they're, um, they're serving the sows week in, week out over the course of the year and then they take their two weeks holidays in the, the autumn time or late summer or early autumn uh, and you've got somebody to take over. And we'll often see a glitch when you're looking at the figures uh, particularly the on farm management systems you can look at the figures and you see a, a glitch there in in fertility issues for the couple of weeks that that person was on holidays so the key here is to make sure that you know you've got somebody with experience somebody that's competent uh, in, in servant's house so that when the, the the regular person goes on their holidays that you've got somebody competent to, competent to take over and keep the job done you know
0: and what about our guild pool where can this come into it
1: yeah, well, the gilt pool, and that, that's something we should be looking at right now. Um, it, it's, it's a critical part of the herd, as we know. You know, it's where your replacement stock are coming from. Uh, but it, the key thing is to make sure you've got an adequate gilt pool. Uh, that should be around twelve to fifteen percent uh, of of your herd size. So for every hundred sows, you should have twelve to fifteen uh, gilts in your pool. Um, and the the idea behind that is that you have enough then to, to, to modify your replacement plants plans, plans and, and serve extra gils, gilts as you need them and um, you know so if you if you know that you're going to have a problem and you're looking at your records over a period of time and you can anticipate that i may have a problem in late july or whatever you need to start looking now and and building up your guild pool so that you have these extra guilds on hand if you need them and, and you can serve them then to make sure that you've got adequate farrowings in the last quarter of the year
0: just to finish up is there anything else we need to focus on to help reduce the problem
1: yeah, there probably is a few things, I suppose, if you look at it. I mean, it, it's all about fertility and breeding and breeding is in, in, in the, the service area. Um, so it's important to make sure that, you know, your boar stimulation, that you've got good mature boars there working to stimulate the, the sows and the gills um, uh, post-weaning. And especially important to make sure that you've got extra stimulation maybe provided during that, that uh, summer, uh, late summer, early autumn period. Um, it's always a good idea, I think, during late summer, early autumn as well to increase the, the frequency of heat checking. You know, maybe we'd normally do it maybe once a day, but I think it's definitely worth doing twice a day during that period. Uh, and then again, you know, like everything, after you've done the service uh, or the AI job, it's important to make sure that you're preg- pregnancy checking so that you've got a good scanning program in place that you're 25 to 30 days later, you're doing your preg checks to make sure that your cells are are in pig. And if they're not, that you can act early. You know, if you're picking up empty cells, that you can act early and, and take action. And I suppose, finally, if you go back to the Paul Hughes research that I was mentioning earlier about heat um, occurring, um, or ovulation, I should say, occurring earlier in the heat period, you know, it, it's definitely worth serving the sows on first heat after weaning and making sure you get that service in, especially if they are going to be ovulating early. So serve them straight away and then 24 hours later with your second service should cover you in the event that they do ovulate earlier. And on the feeding side, for it really only applies the, the gilts and, and first party sows that, you know, after. First four or five days after service, you you serve the the guilt. first party cells so maybe a lower. Uh, level at 2.2, 2.3 kilos a day, but then give them extra feed, maybe up to three kilos a day for the four to five weeks after that four to five day period. And and the idea behind that is to support the, 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 the pregnancy hormones where there has been noted to be a a drop in, in, in the pregnancy hormones in that period. So it's, it's important to feed them up well so that it will support the pregnancy. And I suppose, look, the long and the short of it, now is the time we're here in May, end of May, uh, beginning of June, uh, This is when we should be looking at at our records, making sure if we're able to identify a problem uh, and put a plan in place now and, and, and implement it. That's the key thing. Put somebody responsible to do it and make sure that the different areas, whether it's in the service house, whether it's the lighting levels, make sure that you've covered all those bases and that you have enough gilts on hand and if you need to serve extra and put your plan in place.
0: Thanks very much, Kieran. Um, it's great to know, I suppose, what to look out for and what action can be taken to minimise the effects over the coming months. But the the key really is, I suppose, that now is the time to look at it and to take action.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah.
0: That's it for this episode of The Pig Edge. And many thanks to Ciarán for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Amy Quinn. Thanks for listening and join me next time on The Pig Edge for more updates, news and advice.